0: Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. The Pelham Picture House in Westchester County has been around since 1921. But much like the mom and pop shops threatened by big box national chain stores, this independent, not for profit movie theater almost had its doors closed permanently. That was until a rally cry from a group of concerned citizens pushed for its survival. Now the countdown has begun for the end of March reopening of the Pelham Picture House. During this rebroadcast, we take a look back at an interview I did with Jennifer Kreisman, the executive director of the Pelham Picture House, and John Cavelli, a Fordham grad who, at the time of the interview, served on the board of the Picture House Regional Film Center, but more recently has been installed as chair of the board at the Picture House. And in the interest of full disclosure, John also serves on the board at WFUV Radio. For the latest information on the Pelham Picture House, visit thepicturehouse.org. So I'd like to discuss the Pell & Picture House in a moment, but first I have a few general questions about art house venues. So, Jennifer, what's the difference between an art house theater and a so-called mainstream theater?
1: Well, Robin, art house theaters essentially are alternatives to mainstream commercial theaters. There are carved up old theaters that were one single screen that now are the equivalent of the modern multiplex, although the theaters are often awkward spaces and not really optimal for film viewing, they tend to show big Hollywood blockbuster type films. And similarly, those big fancy new multiplexes, while they're more comfortable and the theaters are more graciously laid out and the screens are bigger, they still show the same kind of, of product, if you will. And while some of those theaters are wonderful and a lot of the product is great, There's less and less room for the old-time movie theaters and really less and less space for the independent film centers that show alternative fare, documentaries, foreign films, films that were made on smaller budgets with sometimes emerging directors and sometimes very well established directors and actors want to be in these smaller films but the studios that produce them don't often put the marketing dollars behind them so they don't tend to get the wide release that would be needed and and that's when those films show up at the big at the big multiplexes
0: so are art house films and independent films interchangeable are they the same thing or a little bit different? Because there are some independent films that I think
1: have uh, big backings, like big Hollywood dollar backings. Exactly, exactly. There are what we call commercial art films, and those are often films that are produced by the more independent arms of some of the big distributors and studios. So Focus Features is a great example. Fox Searchlight, you know, some really fantastic um Independent fair that comes with the backing of the bigger studio. So, can you give us an example of some art house theater films that could or possibly would be mainstream or that the Pelham Picture House would show? Well, sure. I mean, some of the really famous, relatively recent past examples of that would be a film like Juno, uh, a film like The Queen. You know, these were smaller films. They were made uh, with a kind of more limited audience in mind. And then they ended up being, you know, growing sort of exponentially and having much longer runs than anybody would have realized. So um, how do art house, now you're saying that art houses are usually smaller than these
0: big, flashy multiplexes. So how do art house theaters stay afloat financially
1: if they kind of cater to that niche audience? With great difficulty, (laughs) is the answer to that question. As a nonprofit, we're very fortunate that we are eligible for foundation money, uh, government support, uh, and, of course, the generosity of of private donors. That help sustain us and cover our operating expenses so that we can produce these kinds of programs that are alternatives and don't necessarily rake in big box office dollars.
2: I just wanted to share there that what you see um, at our events is that there's a hunger for this type of programming. Um, we've had programs with two, three, four hundred people coming uh, day in and day out. And you think about the need out there for this alternative type of uh, programming. An institution like the Picture House gives them an outlet.
0: Now, speaking about this community, around the, what, late 1990s, early 2000s, the Pelham Picture House was almost demolished, correct? And, uh, John, you were really instrumental in saving it uh, by getting communities together to um, help support it. So what happened, and how did you get involved with the Pelham Picture House?
2: Well, if you live in uh, any of these small villages anywhere in the New York area, there usually was that one screen that um, people went to. So for, for me, I grew up in New Rochelle and in the Bronx, and uh, there was the Pelham Picture House. And the Pelham Picture House, I'll never forget, is where I went to go see Rocky and Call of the Wild and all these kind of films that, uh, as a child, that we went to, and the Picture House was the place to go. And amazingly, the picture house was actually owned by the Rogowski family for, I think, almost 70 years. And um, as Jennifer commented, the finances of a one screen just don't add up. Uh, they were not making money. It was very difficult. And they were looking to sell the property. And they wanted to keep it as a um, as a film, as a picture house. But... Um, It was very difficult, and at one moment it looked like a a bank, and I'm not going to speak ill of banks, they're important to our economy, but do we really need another bank branch in uh, southern Westchester and in this area? So they were about to demolish the picture house and put in a a bank branch, and a group of people uh, led by um, Anne Cerise and um, Kathy Corton and Tom Peer, these three individuals, and then brought on Barbara Breton and several others, they came to me early on in the project and said, can you help us? And I've been involved in the community for many years, and and how do you not save an icon like that that really kind of tugs at the heartstrings and also is a a, a part of our community? So we banded together, we reached out. Congresswoman Nita Lowy was an early supporter, Assemblywoman Paulin was an early supporter, and Senator Jeff Klein has been a supporter now, and the local elected officials, you know, um, Joe Salamini and the mayors of our villages, um... It's been uh, an incredible ride because it has helped galvanize the community, it has helped bring people together, and we're at a point now where we not only purchased the property, but we are in a process of restoration, and we are going to restore this theater probably for the first time in um, in 60 or 70 years, so that uh, it's kind of exciting to see this come back in a bit of a new form, uh, with a new format and new programming, but at the heart, really a, a local, a regional facility that's available for our children, for our families, and that is going to provide excellent programming and really help uh, the next generation uh, learn what film is. And, you know, that's another area that um, that we need to talk about when you think about picture houses and what the uh, Picture House Regional Film Center is, is and is going to be more of. Basically, it's about education. It's about educating kids Film literacy. You know, it's interesting when you watch a movie, um, it's really the literature of the 21st century. Um, People need to understand what they're watching, and that's one of the things that we're going to be doing more of with this restoration and with the eventual expansion of the property.
0: Explain what you mean by education.
2: I'm going to leave that to Jen to explain a little bit more, but. uh,
1: Sure, yes. Because I know that's part of your mission. It's very much part of our mission, and uh, it's it's probably a key, a key component of our of our nonprofit nature. Um, we are doing, and it's still in its nascent stages, but we are doing in class film education. We've sent teaching artists into schools in Pelham, Harlem, and the Bronx to work with English class teachers to integrate film into their curricula. And what we've had the teaching artists do is essentially teach the kids about the elements of film, the language of film, the visual elements of film, so that when they're watching films, even if it's the big Hollywood blockbuster popcorn chomping type of film that you think you're just going to be sort of passively receiving sitting in the sitting in the theater you can bring a kind of critical insight to bear and you can understand what the elements were that went into that. You felt a certain way. Why did you feel a certain way? Well, it was the music. Well, it was the editing that was just done. So making, making people of all ages, but especially kids, more critical consumers of visual media. And they should be more critical in general of the
0: of the things that they that are integrating, especially to to young students. Um, I think it's very important for them to be critical in just the things that they're receiving, because unfortunately, there's so much information that they're subjected to. And how do they decipher what's important, what's good, what's affecting them and what shouldn't be affecting them?
2: So, Robin, we're going to need you on our advisory board. That was so well put. I mean, at the end of the day. Um, We feel that it's not just about this wonderful facility that happens to be in Pelham, New York. It's really a regional institution that's going to be providing, I believe, an invaluable uh, resource to generations of, of children. And, you know, you think back to 1921 when this opened. What were people being exposed to? I just found out yesterday that actually Fanny Bryce was there oh, back really? in the twenties. Um and um the,
0: the actress. The actress
2: Fanny mm-hmm. Bryce came to the Pell and Picture House back in the twenties and you just sit there and you go, My gosh, this facility has um has witnessed history and has literally um witnessed uh, the change of the of the medium, right? From talkies the silent theater to the talkie. I mean think of that. <laughs> And um, you you kind of get excited thinking about that, and where are we going to be in another 20 or 30 years? And I think it's our responsibility, again, as a nonprofit educational institution, to help prepare the next generation, to help prepare young people to understand what they're viewing visually. And that's going to become more and more relevant and prevalent um, in the years to come.
0: This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon, discussing the survival of the Pelham Picture House with its executive director, Jennifer Chrisman, and board member, John Cavelli. So what does the, the renovation look like? What's the house going to look like when it's complete?
1: Well, we are currently a big cavernous space. And as John just indicated, we have not seen any kind of physical upgrade of this space, probably for about 70 years. We'll be moving from a close to 400 seats down to 300. Um, it's actually very difficult to fill a 400-seat house, and, and we want to make it a little more comfortable so that the seats are better spaced apart. And
0: bigger, I hope. and <laughs>
1: Yes, um, bigger, and with cup holders. Um, I'm not saying that just
0: about the Pelham <laughs> Picture House. I've noticed that, it, you know, you go to some art houses or some theaters in general, and, you know— Especially for a full-figure girl like me, it's a little uncomfortable. Mm. So <laughs> thank you for making
1: seats bigger. <laughs> well, they're, they should be bigger. These seats are really outdated. Uh, and in addition, we'll be exposing some of the really unique architectural features of the of our theater. We'll be exposing some of the really unique architectural features of our theater. There are brick piers that have been covered for many, many years with this kind of awful red fabric. We're going to be taking that fabric down Exposing the bricks, there are beautiful wooden trusses. The ceiling is a wooden truss ceiling. It's highly unusual. It's built more like a, like a barn or a church actually, with this very peaked ceiling, a very high ceiling. We'll be uplighting the trusses so that they become not something that just looks mysterious and dark up there, but actually a really beautiful component of the theater that will be much more evident when you walk into the theater.
0: Let's back up to the beginning of uh, the Pell and Picture House in 1921. Can you give me a, a historical overview?
2: From an historical perspective, you need just to kind of step back to 1921 for a second. You realize that this is that area of uh, of New York. Um, films like Birth of a Nation, um, some of the original films that were made in the teens and twenties were actually made uh, in the Bronx and in Westchester oh. County, in Mamaroneck, and in yeah. Mamaroneck and Mamaroneck. So that therefore you have a long history of film and filmmaking in the area, and actually many film artists lived in southern Westchester. Uh, Of course, with the advent of Hollywood and the movement West, um, the area, that kind of, that piece of its history was lost to some extent. But um, having done some uh, reading and research with the Bronx Historical Society, and uh, we've now, uh, we're reaching out to the Pelham Historian as well um, to do a little bit more research in terms of what was going on at that moment in time. But the theater, again, was a commercial theater initially, and um, from all we've known, it was very successful and um, served the area for, again, as we said, until the, the early 2000s. But having said that, financially, it just as a one screen wasn't really working. Um, we're excited by the history of it, but it's kind of one of those things where, we look at the history, but we're really looking to the future. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of at this moment in time where we want to celebrate the past, but really think about tomorrow. Right. And where do we want to go with the Picture House Regional Film Center?
0: So, what can fans of the Picture House do? Because it hasn't opened yet.
1: You're still in the process of, of renovating, correct? We just recently closed the theater for the renovation. So, we have been running, up and running, and operating for the last five years as a nonprofit. Increasingly, with independent type film programming, so kind of beginning to phase out the real commercial programming um John said that's really the you know the 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 origins of the theater, our commercial theater going forward, we're looking to even more ramp up the independent programming so right now we have uh, have had a wonderfully successful independent preview series called the real insider We'll be continuing with that. We're going to be... Uh, and what is that? Because I know you guys are... you,
0: you The and Picture House shows movies, and you have this education um, aspect, but you also have an aspect of, of just conversations with filmmakers and, and artists and
1: actors. So talk to me about that, that part. Well, that's another key differentiator between a commercial house and an art house. There are often interactive-type programs, dialogues, panel discussions, speakers... To accompany the screenings, because film is an art that's really meant to be talked about, and so we pride ourselves at the Picture House with having almost all of our special programs followed by some kind of a Q and A, often with the filmmaker or with the talent or both, and certainly almost always with some kind of a film critic or or an educated moderator to um, to discuss the film. Who were some of the people who? you've had there you've had speakers.
2: well we've actually had some very interesting speakers uh Michael Douglas was has been there George Clooney was there um i think i was the only man in the house that <laughs> night um <laughs> he was fantastic and and it really as jennifer was saying gives you this opportunity to sit there and and learn a little bit about the actor learn a little bit about what motivates them and and be educated in that process and really have an enjoyable evening um, something that you're not going to have so it's really funny when you think about film it's always this sense of I'm gonna go into a dark space and watch a film and what we're doing is okay let's turn the lights on and then have that conversation so what we're really trying to do is get people to talk and talk about what they're watching and the feelings and the emotions that the film um, is giving them and then have a really educated discussion with a film critic, with a director, with, uh, with an, uh, an actor that is going to help make uh, the experience that more rich.
0: And it seems like it would make it more rich for those who, because I know if I go to an art museum, let's say, and I see a picture on the wall, and I don't quite get it, but then when you know the history of the artist or the history of why they were painting at this particular time in that particular color, you look at it with different eyes. So I think the thing, the same could be said for actors, directors speaking about
1: their films while you're showing them at the Pelham Picture House. Absolutely, it's about it's about really engaging with the art in a different way, and you you just can't do it if you if you don't have any kind of uh, insight into how the film was made or why the project was chosen.
2: I will uh, share one story several years ago we had Isabella Rossellini uh-huh. uh, come and uh, it was the 100th um, anniversary of the birthday of her of her father Roberto Rossellini um, her father Ingrid Bergman's um, husband and I never knew that yes wow. so yeah Isabella Rossellini's mom was Ingrid Bergman and uh, but she did this 15 minute film about her dad and the father literally was a stomach And she's speaking to this stomach. And you just sat there, and as you watch, you're like, whoa, what is going on? (laughs) and um she, and then
1: she also plays all of the characters she in plays, the film except oh, really? for the stomach who uh, was she, her father i don't know Roberto
2: who was. Rossellini was a very famous uh, director in the 50s and oh, 60s okay. he um uh Roma città aperta Rome open city he literally started and created the neorealism movement in films oh. in the 50s and 60s which has had a significant impact on movies ever since um an iconoclast i mean an interesting uh, director very much of a, of a, a free thinker so Isabella put this film together that talks about her father and as I said you know you're watching it and and you have a lot of questions right when it's over and, Isabella, and he's a
0: stomach and, and she's playing and the parts and, 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 and then
2: she's speaking to the stomach and because the you know you just kind of sit there and like well I really want to ask some significant questions and the lights turned on and Isabella was there and she answered questions for people and, and the whole idea of the stomach was that's when she was a little girl, she would lay on his stomach, mm-hmm. and it was a sense of reassurance. She answered many of those questions that people had, and it became that much more of, an, of a rich experience for everybody in the room.
0: Right. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So I know, uh, again, you guys just started the renovations. What can fans do in the meantime? You're just going to kind of leave us out here with no, no place to go and have all. all this art education? What's not going on? Not at all, Robin.
1: <laughs> we're going to, first of all, we're, we're, we've are we formed a wonderful partnership with Sarah Lawrence College for the duration of our renovation, which is four months. And we're doing programs there. And people should be going to the Picturehouse website, thepicturehouse.org.
2: We're going to be starting a membership program as well mm-hmm. um, so that you could become a member of the Picturehouse House. And um, we'll be celebrating the 90th anniversary in April at a gala with um, some interesting stars to be announced. And uh, we're very excited about just celebrating the rebirth of uh, the Picture House, the reopening and the restoration, the renewal, the Renaissance.
0: I'm Robin Shannon on 90.7 WFUV, speaking with Jennifer Chrisman and John Cavelli about the survival of the Pelham Picture House, an independent, not-for-profit Westchester movie theater that was saved from demolition by a community that banded together. What's your favorite event that has taken place at the Pelham Picture House so far? Do you have one?
2: My favorite would be the Isabella Rossellini event. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we had 400 people there. But more than that, it exposed people to an art form and a film that they would never have seen, and they came away enriched by that.
0: Okay, Jennifer. Same question for you. Uh, What event has
1: taken place at the Pelham Picture House that you just you found that you adored? Well, I have to say I agreed with John that the Isabella Rossellini film was really extraordinary, a very short film, but a really intensely personal film, and it was a very interesting conversation. I think my personal favorite was probably when Sean Penn came to the picture house to talk about uh the film Into the Wild that he directed based on the John Krakauer book. That was a really he's a very, very first of all, he's an incredibly interesting actor, and then to talk about this really grueling production That he undertook because he felt so strongly about this story, about this young man who went off to live in the wild and and ended up sadly sort of dying, starving slash freezing to death. Mm. Um, But it was an amazing film and he's such an interesting, smart guy. He also wrote the screenplay for that. He did the adaptation for that. So I think that might have been one of my favorite, if not my most favorite event.
0: And we were talking earlier about uh, membership, and this
1: is something new for the Pelham Picture House, correct? It is, Robin. We're so excited. In the past, as we've I said before, we've been slowly building in the independent type programming at the theater. And now, as we look to reopen with our renovated interior, we're going to be launching a membership program. And we we finally can do it because we're going to have so much more of the mission-oriented program that, we, that we've been wanting to have. So in addition to The Real Insider, which has been a really popular preview series, we're going to have a documentary film series that'll be sort of the big, hot documentaries coming off the festival circuit. That's going to be starting in 2011. We're going to be doing a film series with the New York Times critic and Marie Claire film critic Karen James, who's been to the theater a lot. She's going to be hosting a series for us. We're also going to be bringing the Global Lens Festival to our theater. And one thing we did before we closed the theater was Will McCord, our producer of film program, started a series called An Evening With... And that's already brought Gabriel Byrne to the theater, recently over the summer Susan Sarandon, and even more recently Charles Grodin. We Mm. had him up at Sarah Lawrence, and that is going to continue. So to back up a little with this, an evening with, how did that come about? How did you get the actors there? What did they talk about? Okay, so our producer of film programs, Will McCord, had an idea that in addition to bringing preview films, the newest films, the films no one's yet seen, and talk to directors and actors about those films, it was to revisit wonderful films, films that are maybe having an anniversary. So we had Susan Sarandon come. It was the 30th anniversary of Atlantic City, the Louis Malle film. She actually had her first Oscar nomination for that film. Just such an amazing career, Susan Sarandon's had. And she came and talked with us about the film following that screening. So it's more of a way to get actors to come and potentially some directors to come going forward to talk about older films, films that were seminal in their careers or just important films that it's it's a ripe time to revisit them. Charles Grodin actually wanted us to screen Midnight Run. It didn't have an anniversary at all, but it's such a fun film and it was it was really fun to talk to him. I'm What's sorry. Midnight Run about? Midnight Run is a film that uh, Charles Grodin started with Robert De Niro. It is a sort of a great buddy film at the same time, but it's that Robert De Niro is a bounty hunter and he's and he's got to bring his bounty is Charles Grodin and ah. he's got to bring him basically in a very sort of planes, trains, and automobiles style way across the country. And it's just a very funny film. And uh, Charles Grodin wanted us to screen that. Did he so. have anything fun to say about it? He. He talked a little bit about working with De Niro so much of it was improv.ed I mean, you can just tell watching oh, wow. some of their scenes. I mean, you just know that was it was not written. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition, it's an opportunity, and this is something really special about the An Evening With program. It was an opportunity for Charles Grodin to talk a little bit about the work he does outside of film, not as an actor. He's very involved with women in prison. Women who have been wrongfully imprisoned or who have been incarcerated for just an completely inappropriately long period of time and he talked about that as well we love to hear uh what some of these actors and directors do in their outside lives to to make the world a better place i mean we look at film as a as a way to build and bridge community and we really want to celebrate filmmakers who are Doing other things in their in their outside life in their non professional lives to build and bridge and help society. Mm. And I know Sean Penn's been uh, very politically outspoken. And yeah, when he came, he was really specifically talking about into the wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Susan Saranda comes, she's 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 a, an incredible activist. And um, and she did talk quite a bit about um, Atlantic City, her relationship with Louis Malle, And she also talked about her new ping pong business. I mean, it's just a wonderful sort of... I didn't know she had a ping pong business. Oh, she started this whole, like, (laughs) it's a ping pong club in the city, and they're expanding and going wide, and, and she's a very, very interesting woman. Wow.
0: So can I ask you, Jennifer, how did you get involved in art and film and the whole idea of it all? What motivated you?
1: I went into the city every weekend to spend time with my dad, and he would take me to all the great art houses. I mean, I grew up going to the Quad, the Elgin, the... Cinema Village, the Thalia, the Thalia Soho. Talk about a tiny cramped theater. (laughs) Um, I'm a huge fan of Film Forum and Film Society and Angelica and all of those. I live in Manhattan. And uh, it's just really in my blood. So it just, and the old theater. And and John mentioned we all have that theater that was in our town growing up. I grew up in Port Washington. We went to the Beacon Theater. Mm -hmm. And now it's a multiplex And I remember when it was even carved up into two theaters, I was sad Mm -hmm. because it just the graciousness of it and the specialness of it and the old fashionedness of it went away. Mm. And so you were you started volunteering first or you started helping out first and then. I somehow was asked to help with the program (laughs) on the programming committee, but they were looking for an executive director. Uh, They found an executive director and she left to pursue other opportunities rather quickly, like within a year. And they asked me to step into her role. So for me, the newest thing, it wasn't about film. It wasn't about anything related to content. For me, the biggest new world for me was the fundraising. That element of of a nonprofit organization, and it's been a, just a wonderful uh, experience and a learning curve. And I've learned that if you really feel passionate about something like the Picture House and saving an old theater and making it relevant for today's audience, and having great independent alternatives to what is commercially kind of out there and so accessible, and you know, frankly, sort of redundant. Um, you can sell something, and you can raise funds for it if you're that passionate about it. So did you call your dad and say, "Dad, I got a job in theater. Thanks,
0: <laughs> thanks to you for taking me to all those those picture houses when I was growing up." You
1: know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I I I I didn't say it right away, but even just recently, I was emailing with my dad, and uh, whom whom I see, he lives in New York. But uh, I said, you know, I realized, you know, it really meant a lot to me to go see all those great. Some of them were new films, but some of them were you know, at the time, repertories. I remember seeing a double feature of Soylent Green and Westworld (laughs) at the quad, (laughs) which was, you know, I still remember to this day those two films. They were very intense. And Mm -hmm. what a great double feature that was. (laughs) So Jennifer, where do you see the future of art house theaters going in general? I think the way to survive and the way things are going to move is pretty consistent with our programmatic mission in that you have to make the films relevant to people. And by relevant, I mean, sure, challenge them on the content, but make sure there's something else happening in tandem with that screening. We talked before about engaging with art, having that kind of extra insight, more information. Maybe it's a historical perspective. Maybe it's an understanding of how the film was made, a conversation with someone associated with it. That is how arthouse theaters are going to survive. I think if we just put the prints up, even if they're new and interesting, again, sometimes the marketing dollars aren't behind them and you have to have some amazing review that's going to drive people to the theater. So I think it has to be a combination of running new independent programs, but also as often as possible trying to have some kind of an interactive conversation, some kind of a meaningful experience either before or after the film. My thanks to Jennifer Chrisman, the executive director of the Pelham
0: Picture House, and John Cavelli, a Fordham grad that serves on the board of the Picture House Regional Film Center. Stay with us, George Bodarki and CityScaper, next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.
2: It's for film which nobody knows.